fun moment when you stand up here and everybody's looking at you and you don't know what to do either. Y'all looking at me, but I'm looking right back at you. I want to move up in the book of Acts just a little bit tonight. We'll go back. But I'd like to go down. I believe it's chapter 9. And oh yes, good neighbor, I just believe it may be 8. Yes, it's Acts chapter 9. I'll give you a thought the Lord just gave me sitting over here in this chair. And then we'll go home if that's okay with you. Or we'll stay. That's fine too. I'm just going to quit talking when he tells me to. Amen. 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 Acts chapter 9. Read through the book of Acts and we start dealing with it. We see at the beginning that Jesus is still here. I think this one may still be on, fellas, getting a little back feed. Uh, Jesus is still here and he ascends into heaven and tells them that he's going to send them a comforter. He says, I'm going away and it's good for you that I go away. I'm going to send you a comforter. We know in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the Holy Ghost comes upon them and they're filled with power. They told you about Acts 1 verse 8. Acts 2, 1 is where the Holy Ghost comes, fills them up with power. They start to preach. The day of Pentecost happened. 3,000 souls saved. They moved from house to house in church. It moves on the ministry of Peter. We get here in Acts chapter 8 and, 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 uh, or Acts chapter 7 and we see that Stephen is stoned. And there's a man that's present in the middle of that. And his name is Saul of Tarsus. And he's holding the coats, letting them stone a man to death. Wicked man. He was a Pharisee concerning the laws, what he said. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. Tells us in Philippians his pedigree, and it was quite impressive on paper. But let me tell you real quick, you can't get to heaven by what it says on paper. You need what's inside your heart. And he was impressive in religion, but he was not impressive in heaven. Because he didn't know who Jesus was. Chapter 8, we see where Philip leads the Ethiopian eunuch to the Lord. Baptizes him after he repents of his sin and gets saved and born again. And Acts chapter 9 picks back up with Saul. Tarsus, who later becomes Paul and wrote, I mean, 12 or 13 books of the Bible, uh, what the Lord allowed him to do, the way he used him. You study through the remainder of the book of Acts, essentially is of his ministry and what the Lord used him to do. I preached on the radio in Acts chapter 20 earlier today about whenever he was telling the church of Ephesus, he said, I'm coming to you for the last time. I won't be able to come again. But although I went through all of these things, there are things in my life that none of these things moved. And he made the statement, none of these things move me. So we see at the end of his ministry, or at the end where God has been using him, his statement is, none of these things move me. But there is a question that Saul, Tarsus later becoming Paul, asked in Acts chapter 9, that you need to ask God tonight. Every single one of us, need to ask God this question, but you're going to have to buckle up because He's going to give you an answer. But there's three things that I see the Lord just laid on my heart right there that happens to Him, and that will happen to you when you ask this question. So pick us up, pick up with me if you would, Acts chapter 9, verse 1. And Saul, 
yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. Wouldn't you hate for God to describe you that way? This ain't some man's opinion. This is the Word of God. There's no error in this. He said he was breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. We pick up and we see Saul here is saying, would you give me a letter to make it okay that if I find somebody serving Jesus, if I find disciples of the true Lord, I can handcuff them, bind them up, and bring them to prison. Aren't you glad we're not living in that today? We're on our way. No mistake. There is a pastor right now in California who's been told if you hold service, we will arrest you. And he said, I've had a lot of ministries in my life, but I've never had a prison ministry. Let's do it. But imagine if the threatenings was that you were going to be arrested there's a lot of people in church that said, oh, I'd do that, but they won't even come now because we've got to tape off every other row. Verse 3, and as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly, that's how God moves in, suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Now what if God asked you this question? Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Now I'm going to give you just a, a rabbit here on this. If God came to you and said, Nathan, Nathan, You've been doing real good for me. Wouldn't that be a good thing? What if you come to me and said, Dalton, Dalton, why ain't you told nobody about me? He called it like it was. Look at verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. God called it like he saw it. You're not fooling God tonight. There's a question Paul asked him, Saul asked him, Here's just a few verses down. You need to ask God tonight because you're not fooling Him. Saul saw why I persecuted me. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Look what he says. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord... What wilt thou have me to do? Let me ask you a sincere question. At any point in time in your life, have you ever said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Desiring an answer. Y'all know lots of times we pray and don't desire an answer. You say, what do you mean? How many times have you prayed for that lost loved one? 
and never expected them to get saved in the first place? That's because you prayed not expecting an answer. You said, where does the desire come in? If you desired the answer, you would believe that God could do it. When was the last time you said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? I see there are three things that God changed in Saul's life when he asked this question. First, I see that he changed his walk. Let's keep reading. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. So here's what God did. He said, I'm going to do the same way I did Abraham. I'm going to do the same way I did Noah. I'm going to give you instruction, and you're going to follow it without having all the information. Don't you feel like that sometimes? Brother Buster Mullins used the best illustration I've ever seen. He used the amount of time or how far it was to his house. And he said, I got my headlights on. And I can't see from here to the house. But I know if I keep my lights on and I keep driving down that road, I will eventually make it to my destination. I'm telling you that if you'll turn your light on, the light that shines, and you keep following down the road he told you to go, you will eventually make it to your destination. But he told them what to do. Verse 7, And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth. And when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. I see first God changed his walk. No longer could Saul walk by his sight. He was walking by faith. If you're at a point with God, you say, Lord, what will they have me to do? He tells you to do it and you go, whoa, I can't do that. Let me give you an example. Lord, what will they have me to do? I want you to pastor your home church. Lord, I cannot do that. Yes, good neighbor, I remember that moment. Lord, I can't. He said, I know. I'm going to. Who in here died for the church? Would you raise your hand? Who in here started the church? Who in here is going to finish it? Jesus did. And the first thing God's going to change in your life when you ask the question, Lord, what will they have me to do? He'll give you the answer. And the first thing's going to have to change your life, your walk is going to have to change. You have to quit looking at all of them and all that's around you and what you can do within your own self and understand that, hey, David, Goliath's big, but God's bigger. We all go through things each and every single day. How many times has God told you to do something and you looked at how big it was and said, I can't do that? He never told you to do it in the first place. You know what he told Saul? Go to the city. That is it. He didn't say, go start a church in Ephesus. He didn't say, go start a church in Thessalonica. He didn't say, train up Timothy. He didn't say, write part of the Bible. He didn't let, he didn't say, he said, go where I tell you to go. Sister, that's why it's so important when God says, go to this church, you don't say, well, I don't know. You go. There's no telling what God will do in your life because of that obedience. The first step of walking by faith, God says, is make that next one, make the next one. And before long, you're walking right down the path of life with Jesus' directions, not yours. And and all the army stood up and said, that man is too big, I can't take him on. But David walked up and said, I don't come to you with a sword. 
I come in the name of the Lord. If you want to ask God what will they have me to do, and if you want Him to give you direction in your life, you're going to have to walk different. You're going to have to quit walking by sight and start walking by faith. For we walk not by sight, but we walk by faith. For without faith it is impossible. Not highly unlikely. Impossible to please God. And without your walk of faith, you can't do what God's asking you to do. I see that God changed His walk next I see that God changed his will. He said, what do you mean? Look at verses 1 and 2. What was he asking to do? He wanted to persecute the church. He didn't want to start a new one in Ephesus. He didn't want to start one in Corinth. He didn't desire to go to Rome. He didn't desire to... Have you ever looked at a map of his journey and where all he went? You're talking about a bit busy preacher. Spent two years here, seven days here. Five, he made a five, in Acts chapter 20, he made a five, Acts chapter 19, he made a five day journey to spend seven days. Can you imagine if they asked us to come sing and wanted us to make a five day journey to sing for a week? How hard that would be to pull that off. Imagine if they asked you to make a five day, we're talking about five days there, five days back, seven days of preaching. How are you going to pull that off at work? Paul wasn't concerned about what he could do. His will no longer was to persecute the church, it was to grow the church. You say, what do you mean by my will? Right now your will is about you being comfortable. Every single one of us, if we were honest in this room, your will and your desire is about your comfort. How uncomfortable is it to sing up in front of everybody? How uncomfortable was it to teach Sunday school that first time, Josh? How uncomfortable is it to pray in church, Charlie? We've talked about it. It's not comfortable to speak in front of people the first time. But God said, I don't need you to be comfortable. I need you to... Be comforted. And your will right now is for you to be comfortable. And God says, I need you to get out of your comfort zone so that I can comfort you. We're looking for our comfort in everything else we could possibly find. He was comfortable. He, he was a Pharisee. He was well known. He wasn't the one having to throw the rocks. Stephen. No, sir. He said, y'all come put your cloaks at my feet and you do the work. He was the boss man. He was the head of this thing. There's no telling what kind of a, a lavish lifestyle he was able to live and what he was able to do. And God said, I'm tired of you being comforted by the world. You need to get uncomfortable and your will of your comfort from the world needs to go away so that your will would now be to be with the comforter. Maybe the reason why you're not experiencing the Lord so deeply in your life is because you're not hungry after righteousness because you're already full of yourself. So he changed his walk, he changed his will, and lastly, he changed his way. Will and way kind of go hand in hand together. But the way in which he did things is now different. The way in which he was going to lead his life has now changed. He's no longer after the same thing. Turn to Acts chapter 20 with me and I'll be done. Acts 
Acts chapter 20, he's talking to this church he started. Now, this is, we're a long way from the Damascus Road at this point. He said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And continually through his life, look at verse 22. And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit. From Acts 9 to Acts chapter 20, he's still saying, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Spirit is leading him everywhere that he goes. When you start walking by faith, God never leaves you. You don't walk the first step with Him and the rest of them without Him. No, when you start walking by faith, you start a journey that Jesus is step in step, hand in hand, going every single day, everywhere you go with Him. And we see here in verse, 20, in verse 22, And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit under Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Again, it's the same situation. I'm going somewhere God's telling me to go and have no idea what's going to happen when I get there. I'm just doing what God told me to do. Look at the next verse. Say that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. He said, my will of my own comfort is now gone. I don't care about getting comfort from the world. I understand that in doing what God tells me to do, I have looked next. So that I might finish my course with what? Joy. Wouldn't you like to have some true joy in your life? A peace that passeth all understanding. Do you know what His way was? And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. He said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? He said, I need you to change the way you walk. Quit looking at yourself and start looking at me. Have faith in what I can do. He said, then I need to change your will. I need your will to stop being so self-centered. And I need you to start worrying about what I want for your life. Not what everybody else thinks of you in the room. What God thinks of you in the room. And no doubt there's someone in here tonight. I feel this. I don't know who it is, but I feel this. That's lost. And everybody else in here thinks you're saved. And the reason you won't come down to this altar and get saved because you're worried about what everyone else in here will think of you. You're going to have to quit worrying about what everyone else in here thinks of you and start worrying about what God thinks of you. I mean that. I don't know who you are, but I believe that in my heart right now. And I don't say things like that. Y'all hear me preach a lot. I don't say stuff like that very often, but I know right now in my heart there's somebody in the building tonight that's lost and everybody thinks they're saved. And the reason you won't come down to this altar is because you've got your will based on your self-centered and you wonder what everyone might think of me and it would be uncomfortable for me to get out. And God's saying, if you'll just step out of your comfort zone, I'll give you the real comforter. If you'll just come to me and be more concerned of what I think of you than what they think of you, you need to change your will and then I will change your way. Because he changed his will, God changed his way. He sent him rather than persecuting church. Think about how many churches he started in Corinth, Thessalonica, Ephesus, all over. He, he went to Rome. He, he wrote the book of Galatians. It's all over what God allowed him to do. The preachers he trained and, and taught. Luke, John Mark, uh, um, on and on and on what he was able to do. He tells him in Philippians, he said, I'm okay with my bonds and my afflictions. 
Because I won the house, the, 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 the leaders, the council, the castle. Can you imagine if God told you, Dalton, to go preach at some podunk little church, five people in it, why am I doing this? And next thing you know, He lets you lead Donald Trump to the Lord. D.R. Harrison said four years ago, Lord, what would they have me to do? He's holding a tent meeting in front of the Washington Monument this week, four years later. There's somebody in here tonight. In fact, everybody in here tonight, including me, need to ask God this simple question. Lord, what wilt thou have me, not my wife, not my husband, not so-and-so across the room. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? By the way, he's got something for you to do. And it's not holding pews down because they ain't moved all week. I come back in here, no one's here to, no one was here last night. They didn't move. You have something to do. But you've got to change your walk. You've got to change your will. And God will change your way. Amen. These altars are open tonight. I'm going to ask Mamma to come play on the piano for us. Just a few verses of song. I ask you as you stand to your feet. Would you make your way up here in the altar? If we need to spread out, go in the choir, whatever. Just make your way up here. There's something about having to come to God. Would you mind the Lord and would you come ask Him, Lord... What wilt thou have me to do? And I, I'm begging you as you come, desire an answer and heed it when you get it. When he tells you what to do, I ask that you would do that. Y'all believe in prayer? Amen. Let's all pray. Lord, we come before you tonight thanking you, God, for an opportunity just to be in your house and to be with you. I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for Your perfection in Your Word. I thank You for Your presence. I thank You for Your power. I thank You for, for Your Son. I thank You for giving His life, dear Lord, and for loving us when we're not lovely. God, I thank You for this church. I thank You for all the people in it. I thank You for the visitor tonight, God, that You've sent our way. God, that You'd bless each person here richly for the glory of God. I thank You for those who are joining the church. I thank You for those who have been gloriously saved. God, I pray You help us to never fall short, to never get slack, to not move. But God, we come tonight with an humble question begging dear Lord that you would help us in each and every single one of us with Lord what wilt thou have me to do and God I'm asking you for me personally God what will you have me to do God what would you like for me to do and God I pray you would give me the strength and the faith and God the humbleness to set my pride aside when you give me the answer God I need it from you I need you to help me with that that when you give me the answer God I will listen to what thus saith the Lord and God I pray you would help us in each and every single one of us to have an earnest desire in our heart to be closer with you and to do as you have for us to say I thank you for the examples and the end samples you've given us throughout the word of
God of how people lived and what they did and how you worked in their lives. And God, I pray for me and myself, God, that you would work in my life just like you did Saul's and get the wickedness out of there, God, and that you would change my eyes and you would make me as if a Paul, that God, you could use me however you see fit. God, I'm not praying that I be used. I'm praying that I be usable because I understand you will use me to the fullest potential that's possible. And God, I pray in my life you make me usable for your glory. Again, God, what wilt thou have me to do? Would you lead me? Would you guide me? God, I know you will. I love you. I thank you for all these people. And I thank you for answering prayer. I pray you get all the honor and the glory from all the answers that people respond to tonight. I love you.